The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In our series on mortifying your members, we've come to the point where we're talking about the things we need to put on in our lives. We discuss the things that we need to murder. We discuss the things that we need to put off. But there's some things that Paul tells us that we need to put on. He mentions bowels of mercies. He mentions kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. And he tells us to forbear one another and forgive one another in the same way Christ forgave us. My friends, putting on these things will help to avoid strife in the kingdom of God and to promote harmony. We hope you'll stay tuned for the message. But first, we have a song selection that we hope you enjoy. I know that I
that's the thing about being a Christian. We can talk, you know, we've, we've messed that word up so bad in our modern day. Are you a Christian? Yeah. I'm not a non-Christian. I mean, you know, it just, it, it's just a category to be put in. You know what Christian means? It means to be Christ-like. The, the disciples were told, I believe it's Acts 17, he says that it, they, were, they were called Christians first at Antioch. They were called Christians. You know why they were called Christians? Because they looked like Christ. They acted like Christ. They live their lives like Christ. And that's the thing that we ought to be striving for today is to be called Christians. Not call ourselves Christians. It's okay to say I'm a Christian. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with it. People understand that today to mean that you are a devotee or a believer in Christ. But, but my point is, is that being called a Christian by other people is even more important because that means they've seen something Christ-like in you. Kindness, kindness, humbleness of mind literally means humiliation of mind or a deep sense of one's own littleness. Do you need a reminder of your own littleness? Turn sometime and read beginning in Job chapter 38 and try to answer those questions that Job was asked by God. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the world? Where were you when I told the sea it can come thus far and no further? You answer that question, child of God. You remind yourself that you and Job, you don't have much to brag about. See, I don't have much to brag about. Humbleness of mind. Did you, did you remember what we just read over there in Philippians? Did you remember what we just read about Christ? I had somebody say one time, well, you know, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just too humble to, to join the church. You, you want to read about humility? You want to read about what happens with true humility? Going back to what Christ did in Philippians 2, verse uh, 7, it says... He made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. <clears throat> and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. So I guess he just said, I, I'm, just, I'm just too, too humble to even go down to the earth or do anything. I'm, just, I'm not worthy. I just can't. No. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know what the example of true humility is? It's obedience. When we humble ourselves, when we have the right kind of sense of our own littleness, we don't say, oh, well, I'm just too humble to even come to the church. No, that means you ought to obey Him. If you're really, truly humble, you will obey what God says, who said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. He said to follow Him in New Testament baptism. All those things that God said, don't tell me you're too humble to join the church. That's not humility. Come forward and join the church. That's humility, you see. That's what true humility does. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. Meekness. Gentleness, mildness, blessed are the meek, Matthew 5, 5, for they shall inherit the earth. Now listen, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. 
We're told that Christ was meek. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Was Christ weak? You know, I, I think I heard Brother Sam Bryant one time preaching about Christ and mentioning how, you know, we don't have a lot of information about him growing up. We know about him when he was born. We have an account of when he was 12. And by the way, every, when he was 12, the first account we have of him taking actions, he was obeying his father's will, going about his father's business. But he wasn't exempt from the struggles that afflict all of us. I mean, he didn't come down here in some special cage that kept him protected. In fact, that's the whole point. He came down here to experience life as a man. So I'm sure there were times on the playground when those boys bullied him. I'm sure there were times when people treated him wrong. And, you know, can't you see? See, I believe Jesus knew who he was from the beginning. Some have this idea that it slowly dawned on him who he was. And finally, by the time he was 33, he, 30, 33, he realized who he was. No, no, he knew at 12. I don't know how, how much before that, but he knew at 12. I believe he knew when he came forth from the womb who he was. Even before he could form thoughts in the way that we form thoughts. Can't you just see him on the playground being bullied, maybe being pushed down or doing something? Look around at the mountains there and say, I made those mountains. I could call those mountains down on these boys. See that tree over there? I made that tree. I could just, with a blink of my eye, I could snap a branch off that tree and beat them black and blue. But you know what he did? He didn't do that. Because meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power restrained. Power restrained. He had all power, and yet he restrained it. Think about him hanging on the cross of Calvary. You know what he told Pilate? He said, I could call more than 12 legions of angels, and they would come down here, and they would destroy this earth, basically. And yet he restrained that power. And he did it because he was meek. And because he was meek, he was gentle of mind. He, was, he, was, he had love toward his children. He had love and obedience toward his father, whom he was equal with. Jesus restrained his power and acted in meekness. And that's what true meekness is. There's lots of things we could do. But if we're meek, we won't do it. We'll, we'll rather take wrong than give it, you see. Long-suffering. Oh, boy. I don't even want to. This, this is one of those times, I, for those of you that are visiting, I told the church when we started this series, there may be times when I feel like I just need to turn around with my back to you because it's too embarrassing to try to preach and let you see me because I know how badly I fail on these things. I'm preaching to you things that I mess up every day. This is one of them, long-suffering. You know what long-suffering is? It's just forbearance. It's patience. It's, it's, it's literally one of the definitions in Strong's was a slowness in avenging wrongs. You know, I like to set things right immediately. I like to be in your face. I like to point out. I'm the, the, I'm the I told you so guy. <laughs> you know, I like to be that guy. You know, tell you, well, I told you. This is what. That's not, that's not us. What if, what if God were an I told you so God? 
Now I understand he will, he will, he will put down in his wrath the, the non-elect and the devil and his angels. But he's not that way toward his children. He is long-suffering. He is long-suffering, which leads us into verse 13, which ultimately tells us the why of it. And we're going to get to that in a moment. Notice in verse 13 now, he's beginning to tell us to put on some outward actions. These were the inward attitudes in verse uh, 12 there. But now he says here, based on these attitudes, this is how you're to act in dealing with one another, forbearing one another. And, and that literally means to put up with. <laughs> you know, I hope that you're not just putting up with me. You know, and that we're not just putting up with each other here at church. Because I hope we love each other. And I hope we recognize that we're fellow citizens with the saints and that you're saints. But, you know, there's times when, when we just put up with each other. <laughs> Are there not? I mean, think about it in a family situation. Listen, I love my wife. And I know she loves me. But I also know there are times when she just puts up with me. Because there are times when I, I think about what I've done or how I've been acting and I think, I wouldn't have put up with me, but she's put up with me. And that's the way we're to do. We're to put up with each other. We're to bear with each other. We're to forbear one another. We're to suffer one another. And we're to forgive one another. Forgiving one another. Forbearing one another. And forgiving one another. And that word forgive there means it's, it comes from the same word as grace. Charis. The Greek word charis. And it's talking about Loving kindness or favor. You notice how every one of these points us back to Jesus Christ. Every one of these points us back to Jesus. Even the forgiving one another has to do with grace. You know, some people say, well, I'll forgive them if they'll do so and so. Is that the way Christ forgave you? Is that what he did with us? I mean, is that how he, he forgave us? Remember... <laughs> Remember Ephesians? Well, notice what it says here. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. See, there's the standard, child of God. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Back over in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, a little more elaboration, but just basically a restatement of what we just read. Listen to what he says in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Sounds like something we've read already in Colossians 3, right? And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. See, there's the standard. Now, there's the why. The why of what we're doing. This is why we do it you see if Christ has forgiven you of all think about all the things that you've done every single thing you do child of God that's not focused upon the kingdom of God and doing the things that the word of God says is an offense to him it's a sin we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart all our mind all our soul all our body all our strength do you do that I don't so that's, one reason I, that's one reason those who say you've got to live in a certain way in order to get to heaven, I just can't go along with that. Because the requirement is complete devotion. 
The requirement is perfect uh, completion of every single one of the commandments. And you and I can't do that because we got to sleep sometime. Sometimes when we're sleeping, we're not thinking about the Lord, are we? I'm having crazy dreams lately. Some of them are terrible dreams. They're not praising God. You know, I'm not always going up and down the roads of this state. I'm not always thinking about the Lord. I, I try to listen to some sermons. I try to listen to singing. Sometimes I get off on something else. I get to thinking about all the things that bother me. But you see, God, through Christ, has forgiven me of everything. How dare we not forgive our brother or our sister? And you see, I, I, I don't know if you noticed this yet, and I don't know if you read ahead. But it's, 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 I can forgive you on Sunday, you know. If I don't have to see you but once a week, I can deal with you. I can put up with you. <laughs> You know, I just Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, maybe run into you a time or two during the week. I can put up with you like that. But if you've read ahead, you're going to see that all these things that we're talking about are leading us up to the, to what, what, to the crucible of our Christian walk, which is the home, the family, where we deal with one another every single day. And you see, there aren't special rules for the family and different rules for the church. They're all the same rules, and we're to forbear one another, and it's in the crucible of the daily lives of our family where our Christian walk is solidified, or not. Or not. You see, how dare we not forgive our brothers and our sisters. You can turn over there. We don't have time this morning, but in John 13, he gives them a new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another, as I have loved you. That's how you're to love one another. And you know, they didn't understand that yet. They could not get that yet. Because he had not gone to the cross yet. They, they had been taught a version of love and charity where you love those that love you and you hate those that hate you. They had not gotten that point yet. But oh, in the upper room, when he whispered peace to them, I believe they finally got it. Oh, you mean this is how we're to love each other. Not just those that love us. Not just when you act lovable, but in every aspect of our lives we're to love one another. As I have loved you. Now look at verse 14. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Above all these things. The word there that indicates above all, okay, above, is a, just a little Greek preposition, epi, E-P-I, epi. It's a primary preposition that means superimposition. And in other words, over this, whatever you're talking about, over it. And we get several words in English that use this little preposition. One of them is epidermis. Epidermis. What's the epidermis? It's the skin that covers the entire body, right? Another one is the word epitaph. Epitaph. What's that? That's the writing over someone who's died. Sort of a, you know, what do we do when we put an epitaph on a grave marker? We try to sum up their lives, right? Okay? So here's what he's saying. Above all these things. 
you need to put on charity. You need to wear it like your skin. That needs to be the covering of your entire body. You, you need, it needs to be the writing over your entire life. That's what charity ought to be. When someone thinks of you, when someone asks you, well, what's he like? What's she like? Then if they only have a word or two to describe you, then they ought to be able to say, well, they just have a loving attitude. They just have a, you, you just get a sense that they care about you. That you, just, you just have a loving aura about them. That's the way we ought to be looked at. See, charity, by the way, is more than just a little feeling where your heart goes pitter-pat. It's more than pitter-pat goes your heart, okay? And I, that's one reason I love the King James translation is because it gives us uh, uh, insights that we wouldn't get otherwise. It's not just the word love the way we understand it today. What do you think of, though, when you think about charity? You think about action, right? You think about action. Look back for a minute in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's the chapter I always think about and try to go to when I think about love. And you see, love is more than what you say. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I am so thankful that my son didn't decide to play the cymbals because he'd have been around the house slamming those cymbals together all the time. As it was, he played the drums and that was bad enough. But he didn't play the cymbals. See, what is now there's a place for them, yes, in the band. I know Michelle, she knows that. There's a place in the band. But if all you had was cymbals, man, that'd be crazy. That would be, I wouldn't want to hear the band if that's all you had. It's just a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. You see, love is more than what you say. You can say all the right things. You can say all the sweet things. You can, you can do, say anything you want. But if you don't have love, you're sounding brass. You can think all the right things. You can, you can think in the right ways. It says, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. You can think in the, all the right things, but if you don't have charity, it means nothing. You can be the smartest person in this room. You can be the most intelligent person, the most educated person. You can know every word of the scripture. You can quote the Bible, but it means nothing if you don't have charity. You can do all the right things. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Though I give my body to be burned. <laughs> you can do all the right things. You can give away all your money. You can go help people. You can donate. You can, you can even lay down your life. You can do all the right things. But if you don't have charity, what does Paul say? It profiteth me nothing. He goes on to talk about the positive sides. It's, it's charity suffers long and is kind, envieth not, boneth not itself, not puff, puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Oh boy, that one gets me every time I read it. Thinketh no evil. That's, that means that when somebody gives you their excuse for this or that or the other, you don't say, yeah, right. <laughs> that tends to be my response, I'm sorry to say. I'm not saying you ignore evidence and facts and just say, okay, I'm just going to, you know, assume you're right even in the face of contrary evidence, for instance, in discipline your children. But it does mean that no matter what you do, you do it in love and your inclination is to accept their explanation, you see. 
Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. I like to, I like to take vengeance. I do. We all do. I like to set things right. Somebody does me wrong, I like to implement a plan to get them back. I've done that in my life before. Sometimes it worked out. Sometimes it didn't. Sometimes I got them. Sometimes they got me. But you know something that has never failed in my entire life? It's when I covered that person in a mantle of charity. When I covered that person with fervent charity, as Peter says, you know what charity did? 1 Peter 4, 8, he says, Above all these things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. When I covered those wrongs against me in charity, it never failed. Never failed. Not yet. <laughs> and notice it says that this is the bond of perfectness. I'd like to be a perfect Christian myself. I'd really like to be able to go through a week sometime and say, you know, that was, a, that was just about a perfect week. Can we tell you how to do that? You, you, you mortify some things, you, you put off some things, you put on some things, but more than anything else, you put on that overall covering like an overcoat, like a pair of coveralls, we might say today. What you should be wearing no matter what else you've got on is that mantle of charity because it is the bond of perfectness. And if we dwell in it, then we can be perfect. That word doesn't mean sinlessly perfect. It means mature. It means whole. It means we're growing up. I want to grow up. I want to grow. You know, I'm 55, be 56 years old next week. I want to be, I want to be a grown up. I don't feel like I am yet in the, in the spirit. But I want to grow up. And the way to do that is to dwell in that bond of perfectness, which is charity. We're going to see next time that there's some things we need to let happen in our lives. There's some things we need to mortify. There's some things we need to put off. There's some things we need to put on. And there's some things we need to let into our lives. The peace of God, the word of God, and so forth. And ultimately, we're going to see how that applies to our everyday living. But in the meantime, let's put on that mantle of charity as we go about our daily walk. And maybe next week when we come back, we can evaluate ourselves and say, you know, this was a better week than the one before. That's the way to do it. I appreciate your kind attention. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer.
We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.